We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am back, as always, with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's it's kind of wild how fast this summer is going, and um, it is almost July, which of course means that we get to start talking about mini camps and uh, preseason and and really getting into the thick of things. But uh, we are going to continue talking about some things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Yep, yep. We are inching closer and closer to the beginning of the season. And if you've been listening on Fridays, you know that Andrew and I have been breaking down the off seasons of the Packers division rivals. We spent a whole episode on each of the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears, and we took a look at the moves made around the NFC North to see who got better, who might have actually gotten a little worse. And we really thought that that was worth your time and our time because, as you know, the Packers schedule contains six matchups with these division rivals. And then last week, we started to branch off a little bit, and we talked about the Packers' first three non-divisional opponents, the Broncos, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And so today, we are going to continue down this path, and we're going to talk about three more teams that the Packers face in 2019. 
their offseason moves and what the Packers should expect when they match up with those teams this season. Today, those teams are going to be, for us, the Oakland Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Los Angeles Chargers. And as we said last week, the Packers will get the Broncos in Week 3, but then they get these other three AFC West teams in a Week 7-9 to stretch that has the Raiders playing in Green Bay in Week 7, and then the Packers traveling to Kansas City in Week 8, and then again traveling to L.A. to play the Chargers in Week 9. This is definitely going to be a tough stretch in their schedule, especially those away games against the Chiefs and the Chargers. So let's take a little bit of a closer look here and let's get started. Let's start with the John Gruden and Mike Mayock Raiders. That's still really weird (laughs) to hear Mike Mayock as the general manager. Um, but the Raiders certainly had a really interesting offseason. And, and what I was thinking about as you were talking about that stretch of games that they have is this is the wrong year to be playing the AFC West, right? right. Uh, they have to be the best division in, in the entire NFL. And, and even the Raiders, who you would probably look at as the bottom dwellers, seem to have done some really interesting things this offseason. They certainly had a ton of resources. And they went out in free agency and they spent big. They brought in wide receiver Tyrell Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers. Almost just said San Diego. Glad I caught myself. <laughs> he's he's a dynamic threat. Big dude. Runs pretty well. Uh, good good uh, hands catcher. He is somebody that Phillip Rivers has gotten very comfortable with and will provide a excellent second option to somebody that we'll mention later. Uh <laughs> They also brought in another wide receiver, wide receiver uh, Ryan Grant from the Indianapolis Colts. He could figure in as a depth guy. Uh, they brought in quarterback Mike Glennon to be Derek Carr's backup, we think, right? Rumor mill. Uh, <laughs> not trying to promote anything there, but Mike Glennon certainly looks to be the backup uh, on a much more affordable deal than he signed with the Chicago Bears. Tight end Luke Wilson was brought in, a solid veteran guy uh, to to fill in and be that safety blanket for Carr. They brought in offensive tackle Trent Brown and paid him massively for a massive dude. They um on the defensive side of the ball, they brought in de- or re-signed defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins, who they acquired during the season last year. They signed linebacker Vontez Perfect, which was a little bit controversial. They signed cornerback Nevin Lawson from the Lions. They brought in safety LaMarcus Joyner, who is really a, an interesting deep field safety to pair with Carl Joseph. I think that's going to be a really nice complimentary play. They also signed special teams ace Dwayne Harris. They signed linebacker Brandon Marshall. And also brought in offensive guard Richie Incognito later on. So some really interesting character guys with Perfect and Incognito to kind of fit in this supposed culture that Gruden and Mayock are building. But they're they're all tough. They're all really intelligent football players. Um, you, except maybe Vontez Perfect. You might question his on-the-field IQ. Uh, The Raiders also acquired wide receiver Antonio Brown via trade. That, of course, was the biggest acquisition of the offseason. And he is going to be that true number one that they lost when Amari Cooper was shipped to Dallas. The main losses, they, of course, had wide receiver Jordy Nelson retire. 
and running back Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so two retirees, two veterans that will no longer be in the room. Wide receiver Mart- Martavis Bryant was also a loss. Now we move on to the NFL draft. The Raiders certainly had the most ammo of any team. They came away with Edge Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson with that fourth overall pick. Certainly a big surprise to most people in the draft world. They then shocked nobody by drafting running back Joshua Jacobs out of Alabama later in the first round. Somebody that they had been linked to pretty much through the entire draft process. And then they wrapped up their third first-round pick by taking safety Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State. In the second round, they grabbed another Clemson player, cornerback Trayvon Mullen. And then in the fourth, they had three picks. They got defensive end Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, cornerback Isaiah Johnson from Houston, who I really, really like, and I thought that was a, a nice pick for them. And they got tight end Foster Moreau from LSU to round out their fourth round. Um, the one other late-round pick that I liked, uh, wide receiver Hunter Renfro, Third Clemson guy, uh, somebody that I know you were infatuated in, infatuated with in the pre-draft process. But it'll be interesting because Derek Carr is going to have a ton of weapons. Joshua Jacobs certainly is a really good receiving back. Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, and Hunter Renfro, um, not to mention Ryan Grant and Luke Wilson. So it seems that the excuses for Derek Carr are about to run out if he doesn't perform well this upcoming season. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see what this coaching staff really wants to do with Carr. Are they wanting to move on or, you know, they put the pieces around him. So maybe he will continue to grow and to get better and to become the player that we've seen him be. But what's interesting about the Raiders draft class is a lot of times you can kind of pick players at the top of a draft class that you're really familiar with and you're really like and then it kind of tails off from there and you're like what were they doing in the fourth fifth sixth seventh rounds but for me I kind of really second guess what they did at the top of the draft as far as value goes but I love like you said Isaiah Johnson Max Crosby are good picks in the in the fourth round getting Foster Moreau he was one of my draft crushes and then you obviously mentioned Hunter Renfro is someone that like on paper, doesn't look like he should be an awesome player, but he catches everything and could be that kind of player in the NFL, just a high production, high volume slot receiver, something like that. So we'll see how this pans out, but I don't hate the Raiders, uh, what they did late in the draft, but it feels kind of like the Raiders are this easy team that's easy to target and easy to make fun of. They've certainly made some questionable decisions lately with the trade of Khalil Mack and moving on from Reggie McKenzie, and I am sure glad that the Packers are not locked into 10 years with John Gruden. That would make me just all kinds of uncomfortable as a fan. Uh, but all that to, to say, I actually think that the Raiders made some really good moves this offseason. I don't think that they got great value, like I said, in their draft. They took Cleland Farrell probably way before that they needed to. Uh, they took a running back in the first round, which I don't love. They took a box safety in the first round, uh, despite it being 2019 when coverage safeties are where it's at. Uh, but in spite of all these questionable moves, I do think the Raiders added some good football players. They added good culture, good locker room guys. And then they added one of the best wide receivers in the game in Antonio Brown. And regardless of what you think of that move, you really can't dismiss the fact that that is a crazy infusion of talent that the Raiders got. So if we're being honest, the Raiders were kind of at rock bottom as an organization in general. So I do think that they only really had the opportunity to go up from where they were. And I do think that they did some nice things. But I wish that in an offseason in which you have three first-round picks, 
you came away with just a little bit more than they did. But we really, we're just not going to be able to judge this draft class for several years. That's just kind of the case with any draft class. But obviously the Packers are going to, are going to be favored in this game when these two teams match up. But I do think that the Raiders offense has a chance to be much better than it was in 2018 and could give the Packers defense a little bit of a challenge depending on where this Mike Pettin unit is when the two teams meet. Yeah, and I'm absolutely with you on the Raiders' offense. I think that's actually going to be a pretty good unit. But I think their defense is just too young to be really effective. And that's why, as you mentioned, the Packers are likely to be favored going into that matchup. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the next team that we're going to cover? All right, let's uh, let's jump in here and let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, There were... A lot of moving pieces for the Kansas City roster this offseason, lots of changes, and they are hoping that these changes are enough to get them to the next step and to get them to the Super Bowl that they just barely missed in 2018. In the offseason, they got started by working on this defense, which is a good thing because it needed a ton of work. And after many injury plague seasons, the Chiefs moved on from Eric Berry, who's just a legend for them, had to move on from him, though. Obviously, one of the most talented safeties in the game, but injuries just limited him to really just a handful of games these past several seasons. So they moved on from Berry, and then they replaced him by signing Tyron Matthew in free agency to a three-year, $42 million deal. Um, As a part of their overhaul on defense and attempt to gain some cap space, they also released pass rusher Justin Houston, who later signed with the Colts. Uh, Houston wasn't the only pass rusher from Kansas City to find himself in a new environment. Heading into 2019, D. Ford was also traded to San Francisco for a 2020 second round pick. And so moving on from Justin Houston and D. Ford obviously creates this huge gap in talent at edge rusher for the Chiefs. And so no big deal. Uh, They go out and they send this year's first round pick and next year's second rounder to the Seahawks for Frank Clark. So an infusion of talent there, obviously. Clearly, Brett Veach is not afraid to use trade to improve his roster. He also acquired Emmanuel Ogba from the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Eric Murray, the safety, and Darren Lee. They got really cheap from the Jets as well. They gave up just a 2020 sixth-round pick for him. And so lots of moves, lots of trades. Uh, And then the 2018 season definitely provided the Chiefs with some surprises off the field as well. Uh, They obviously had to release Kareem Hunt, who is now with the Cleveland Browns. And uh, so the Chiefs brought in Carlos Hyde as some depth in this running back room that just has a lot of questions right now. And then, of course, you really can't talk about the Chiefs without talking about Tyreek Hill. You know, that's a big, big question that they have. They have to answer that, figure out what the future is there. A few months ago, we all would have assumed that Hill would probably be one of the most highly paid receivers in the game shortly. But now, after the accusations of child abuse, Hill's future is certainly uncertain at this point. And we'll just have to kind of wait and see how the Chiefs and the league proceed with Tyreek Hill going forward. Uh, But the draft might have given us just a little bit of a sneak peek into Kansas City's plans, especially in response to the Tyreek Hill situation, because in the second round, they selected wide receiver Mecole Hardman out of Georgia, who has some of the speed that the Chiefs may need to replace in their offense if it is without Hill, either in this season or in the future. But it is 
it's obviously a mistake to think that Hardman's just going to come in and give you anything close to what Tyreek gave you on the field. Uh, so, you know, they tried, but we'll see if that actually pans out, if he's any kind of same kind of player. Uh, just a few picks later, the Chiefs took defensive back Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Uh, Thornhill was a Packers fan favorite heading into the draft. I really thought he might have even been in play at pick number 30 in the first round. Uh, but, of course, now we know that the Packers had their heart set on Darnell Savage. So uh, no connection there uh, in the end with the Packers with Thornhill. Uh, in round three, the Chiefs drafted uh, Kalen Saunders, the big agile defensive tackle from Western Illinois. And then in the sixth to the seventh rounds, they took... Shots in the dark on players that I will wager here that you have never heard of. So we'll, we'll skip over those guys uh, for now. But lots and lots of changes for the Chiefs. Lots of guys in, lots of guys out. The question is, are they better for it? Andrew, what do we think? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it'd be really difficult for them to be any better than they were last season. We, you know, Pat Mahomes may become the next superstar quarterback. He might become one of the next upper echelon guys with Brady and Breeze and Rodgers. But we've seen a lot of players have one great season and then come back to the norm. Dante Culpepper is the closest one that comes to mind for me. And granted, that was likely due to injury, but health is not guaranteed for any player. And you'd have a hard time imagining the passing game being as dynamic as it was last year if Tyreek Hill is not available. Because, of course... Hill always blew the top off the defense, so that opens things up for um, Travis Kelsey. It opens things up for the other receivers and certainly those dump-offs to the running backs. So a lot of their offense was predicated around Tyreek Hill, and now that's a big question mark. So certainly if you're Green Bay, you're hoping that Tyreek Hill isn't on the field <laughs> when you play the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but in either way, you have a, a really dynamic offense. You have a, a superstar young quarterback that seems to be ascending. And you have a defense that, as you mentioned, probably can't be a lot worse than they were last season. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the Chiefs fare this year. A regression does certainly seem to be in order. Andrew, let me ask you just a question right off the top of your head here. If the Packers were to match up with, with the Chiefs, obviously they're doing that this year. If they, if they match up today, who is the cornerback that you feel most comfortable matching up with Tyreek Hill if he is indeed on the field? I, I don't think there would be any question it would be Jair Alexander. But that that's one of the things, you know, that we didn't plan to talk about this, but I was thinking about it this past week. You always hear from coaches that they want to build a basketball team with their wide receiver core, right? You you want guys yeah. of different, different heights and different skill sets. I feel like the Packers are kind of building a basketball team with their cornerback room. You have the big guy in Kevin King. Yeah. You have kind of the medium guy in Josh Jackson. And then you have this, the really short, quick guy in Jair Alexander. But that would be a really, really interesting matchup because I didn't know that Alexander was going to be able to hang with Brandon Cooks the way he did last year against mm -hmm. the Rams. And I think Tyreek Hill brings a lot of that. He might be faster, but... Um, very similar players, and I, I think Jair would be more than up to that task. Yeah, absolutely. It would be really fun to see that matchup. And every task that he was given last year, he seemed to handle pretty well. Every every cornerback takes their lumps. Uh, but you'd like to think in 2019, he's also going to have improved safety play behind him, which should be helpful as well in that regard. So we will see. We will uh, hope for that. We'll, we'll hope for that as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on here. 
uh, and talk about the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I almost did the exact same thing in calling them <laughs> the, uh, well, we won't say it, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers and their offseason, what they did uh, to try to get better uh, this offseason. They kind of went under the radar, in my opinion. They did some nice things, but you just didn't hear a lot about what they did. So um, they were able to bring back some some key pieces for their team. Uh, Adrian Phillips, a safety, they brought back on a one-year deal. They re-signed Brandon Meebane uh, to a two-year contract. They re-signed linebacker Denzel Perryman to a two-year contract, former draft, draft crush of mine, Denzel Perryman. Uh, they re-signed Jalen Watkins, the defensive back, as well. Uh, so kind of putting this team back to where it was, just kind of keeping those guys in place. Uh, nobody that's going to just take over a game necessarily, but key pieces for this team. And then in free agency, they were able to add uh, linebacker Thomas Davis on a two-year contract. And then they also signed Tyrod Taylor, quarterback, obviously, to a two-year contract as well. So some interesting pickups there in free agency. The Chargers' only real loss in free agency to speak of that I saw was Tyrell Williams that we mentioned earlier in in the podcast going over to the Raiders. Williams' deal is a four-year deal, $44 million. And so uh, obviously Williams is certainly a good player, but he obviously priced himself out of L.A. with the Chargers, especially when they're hoping that former Clemson star and first-round pick Mike Williams continues to make some strides. So uh, just not a lot that they lost uh, in this in this offseason. In this draft class, the Chargers took some players that, again, you didn't hear a lot about at the time, but are, are great players and players that a lot of fans were really hoping that they would have on their team. Uh, and so in the first round, they took Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame. Uh, second round, they took Nasir Adderley, the defensive back out of Delaware. I think we've heard of him a little bit. Packers fans were pretty infatuated there. Uh, Trey Pipkins out of Sioux Falls. Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame. Easton Stick, quarterback out of North Dakota State in the fifth round. So uh, not a lot of moves that make a lot of headlines, but they quietly kept a lot of talent in the building and had a pretty quality draft. So what do we think, Andrew? Did L.A. do enough to get better? Or is this a really similar team to what we saw last year? Before we get to that, one of the things that is fascinating to me about the NFL is roster building. And I had absolutely no idea that the Chargers had signed Tyrod Taylor in free agency. (laughs) But the reason why that stuck out to me is because you have Phillip Rivers who, you know... between him and Tom Brady, they define statuesque, right? Like they're sure. both phenomenal pocket passers. But Philip Rivers probably isn't running a 5.040 yard dash. Like he yeah. is immovable. <laughs> and then as his backup quarterback, you sign Tyrod Taylor, who is probably the most adequate passer of the run first quarterback sure. in the NFL. And then you draft Easton Stick, who was drawing Taysom Hill comparisons in the pre-draft process. So you get two really agile, versatile, quick, maybe thinking run first quarterbacks to back up Phillip Rivers. And usually coaching staffs want to keep some commonality so that they don't have to change the playbook if there was an injury. So that's just, I don't know, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but... (laughs) Just really interesting to me. Um, Last week, I said that the Philadelphia Eagles had the best roster in the NFL. And if that's true, the Chargers are the second best. Um, And actually, you know, when I'm reviewing what they did and who they kept and, and how they could potentially improve from within, 
they're pretty close. Um, at a minimum, they're my favorite roster. The Chargers already had a fantastic defense, and adding Jerry Tillery and Asir Adderley will only make them better. I think Adderley might be the steal of the draft, if only because he perfectly matches um, who they already have at safety. Who's Derwin name? James. Derwin James, of <laughs> course. I am going to get a lot of heat for forgetting his name. But Derwin James is kind of the ideal um, versatile safety. And Nasir Adderley is going to allow him to play all over the place because he'll be able to take the top away from, mm-hmm. from opposing offenses. So, man, that, that pick just fell into their lap and really good. And Jerry Tillery could end up being a phenomenal pass rusher and probably – the last thing in the world opposing teams want to see the Chargers have is somebody who can push the pocket from within because they already have the best edge rushing duo in the NFL. Um, so there have been a lot of times in the last 15 years I thought the Chargers were ready to make that next step, and they never did. But maybe I'm foolish for finally believing in them <laughs> or uh, for believing in them again, whatever it is, but I think they might be the best team in the AFC, and they might be able to finally get over that Patriots hurdle. Yeah, it'll be fun to see if they can do it. I hope that they don't necessarily need to have that coming out game against the Packers this year. Uh, but you, too, think that the that the Chargers are hopeful that they can pull this off, that they can put all this together while they still have Phillip Rivers in the fold there because you know that's what this is all about winning when you have that franchise guy still on your roster. But uh, I think fans, if you look at, at uh uh, Chargers Twitter, they're really excited about some kind of funny things, but they're excited about the linebacker group. They're excited that they were able to add Thomas Davis, resigning uh, Denzel Perryman. That's that's a really good group, and they're happy to have that group. Um, we fully expect Philip Rivers to be the guy for the Chargers until he decides he's done. Um, but you, like you mentioned, Tyrod Taylor is a super interesting addition. Easton Stick is a super interesting addition. This is a team that you, you feel really good about what you have as depth at quarterback, but you also kind of start to think that they might be flirting with the future at quarterback and what kind of a quarterback that they might want in the future and maybe why that Josh Rosen wasn't maybe a match for them depending on the style of quarterback that they want in the future so we'll, we'll see how that all comes together but like Andrew said just interesting to analyze some roster construction decisions uh, but this is like Andrew said a really really good roster already and I wouldn't say that I think that they had this monster offseason, but I think they did some nice things and held steady. And with such a young roster outside of Phillip Rivers, this is a team that should take a step forward just by virtue of gaining some experience. So if guys like Derwin James and wide receiver Mike Williams and Hunter Henry can can make a big step forward and take a, be those guys that just make a big impact, this team could be scary and really push Kansas City in this AFC West for the division. Yeah, and we're, we're talking about some quality teams this week, and we were already talking about some quality teams. I've said now I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, the Chargers are the best team in the AFC, and they're both on the Packers' schedule. So um, definitely some obstacles to overcome, and, and Matt LaFleur is, is going to have to really get this team to buy in, and uh, Mike Pettin's defense is going to have to carry a heavy burden in order for the Packers to be successful. So again, the Raiders travel to Green Bay in Week 7. The Packers will travel travel to Kansas City in week eight, and then they travel to LA to face the Chargers in week nine. But I can't believe it. 
that's all <laughs> the time that we have for today. Um, this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday, and we'll, we will be back next week with a review of two more of the Packers' 2019 opponents. We're going to be taking on the Panthers and the 49ers. May Hopefully some room to breathe after this craziness <laughs> that we've been talking about this week. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.